The football season is reaching its conclusion and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We're into the crucial final week of the Premier League campaign and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to UIN's West Ham podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. I'm joined, as always, by The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. Hello, Rashane. Hi, Sam. Well, we are safe. We've got another season of Premier League football ahead of us. What a feeling. Um, Some of us had all but given up hope just a few short weeks ago. Now, the future looks very, very bright indeed. So we're going to reflect on that this week. We're going to, of course, look at the last couple of results uh, against Watford and against Manchester United. But we're going to look ahead. We're going to look at the state of the squad, discuss which players we think should go, which ones we expect to stay. We'll discuss the future of David Moyes. Uh, We'll also be joined towards the end of the show by a special guest from the Jack Leslie campaign. He'll be telling us more about that, which has big historical links, of course, to West Ham United. And right now we're offering listeners the chance to try out The Athletic for free. You can read all of our articles on West Ham for the next 30 days, including a brand new article discussing the future of Declan Rice. The transfer window opens at the end of this month, so you can keep fully up to date with all the comings and goings at the Hammers by going to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod and signing up for a 30-day free trial. You'll also enjoy our whole network of podcasts ad-free. So... Rashane, since we last spoke, West Ham are safe and uh, what a few results it's been. Of course, the Antonio show against Norwich, followed up by that outstanding win against Watford. And then last night's draw against Manchester United, I felt we could have got all three points very easily, Rashane. I agree. Could have won that game, man. It was another great performance from West Ham. We're starting to see, you know, the signs of progression on the Moyes. I thought Bowen was great last night. I thought Rice had a great game. Antonio was just on fire. And just touching on Antonio's goal, I thought it was really good of Noble to, like, give him the penalty. Nice of him to give him the penalty and get 10 goals for the season. What do you think the story was there? Do you think there was a bonus involved? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a cynic. I sort of think, hang on a minute. You know, Mark Noble's the penalty taker. Very important penalty as well. You know, it wasn't like we were already 3-0 up. I was surprised that he did it. I was happy for Antonio, but Noble is such a reliable penalty taker. I must admit I was nervous. So I'm a cynic. I thought, well, maybe Antonio's on some sort of goal bonus and and has asked for a favour. Yeah, well, actually, after the game, Antonio said that, you know, Mark Noble said, if there's a penalty, like you can take it because you've been a great player for us over the past couple of months and, Mm. you know, you can get your 10 goals. So, yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. And, yeah, it's great to see Antonio continue his goal-scoring form. And, as you mentioned, we're safe, onwards and upwards. And I feel like there's plenty of positives to take into the new season. Yeah, it's good good captaincy, that, from Mark Noble, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's a decent thing to do and good to show a sort of, you know, respect and reward for Antonio, who, let's be honest, has been fundamental to our survival. The whole team has done well. Moyes has got to take a lot of credit. 
But Antonio, if you look at all of them, you just sort of think he has really stepped up there. He was playing out of position and he's scored the goals that's kept us in the Premier League for another season. So I think that's fantastic by Mark Noble. Um, but like you say, the key word under Moyes has been progress. When we came back from lockdown, we had two very poor performances against Spurs and Watford. And I would say that we have got better in each game. I mean, obviously... We, we had an unfortunate defeat against um, Burnley, who did very well against us, I thought. They turned up with a game plan and executed it well. But I still thought West Ham were decent in that side, in that game. And last night against United, arguably our best game of the lot because the confidence with which we played um, was really, really noticeable, wasn't it? This, this is a team who were knocking the ball around with real confidence. There is a real shape to the team. There is a clear sort of game plan that they execute with calm, um, you know, with complete calmness and collection. I think he's really having an impact, isn't he? 100%. And even when Mason Green was scored like the equaliser, previously we're like, oh no, it's like West Ham are going to lose now or, you know, it's mm. going to be hard for us to get a result. But yesterday, I thought we could still get a result, still playing yeah. well. So it just got to show again, like, the improvement we made on the Moyes and I thought like, that was good Chelsea game was great as well unlucky not to uh, beat Newcastle and as you mentioned the game against Burnley as well we had a lot of chances so there's plenty of positive to take and we're showing signs that this is like a new West Ham so to speak because under Pellegrini the style of football was so bland but we're playing free-flowing football now under on the Moyes and yeah it's really positive that's the interesting thing is that I know there are still Moyes sceptics out there um, amongst West Ham fans. If you speak to fans of other clubs he's he's managed other than Everton, then there's a, a huge amount of scepticism for him. But I think you can only judge the bloke on what he's done to our team. And that's twice he's kept us up now against the odds. And he's got, and people say he's a negative manager, he's a defensive manager. Well, there's no way they could have watched the game since lockdown, certainly since the Chelsea match, and describe him as a you know an, an Allardyce clone. This is a bloke who's playing with fast counter-attacking wingers, um, a team that's scoring a huge amount of goals. Antonio's the top scorer uh, in the whole Premier League since we came back from lockdown. And I think that Bowen is is the top goal maker, isn't he? Yeah, he's provided, I think, the best part of four assists in his past five, five or six games now. Just incredible. And another thing to say is Moyes has been so great in terms of his decisions, like on and off the field. He's given young players a chance, Ngekia and Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson has played so well in the past two games. You know, bringing Paul Neville and Kevin Nolan in for his first team coaches and the impact they're having as well. It's just, I, I, I can't fault what he's done, honestly. And as you mentioned, second time he's come back, he's kept West, West Ham up now. So moving forward, I mean, the board have no choice but to back him this summer. Absolutely right. I mean, you look at uh, Nolan as well. He was a great captain for West Ham and he's a great presence on the touchline. Throughout this uh, period since lockdown, in every televised game, you see him, he's such a presence. He's geeing the players up. He's giving advice in those little drinks breaks. It, it, just like he was when he played for us. He's, he's a guy you kind of want on your side because he's got a sort of positive attitude and aggression about him. And you can see it kind of getting through to the players. So it's a really exciting time for us. Like you say, it's so exciting seeing young players come through. To lose one right back is unfortunate. To lose three is absolutely absurd. Um, and so I thought we were in dire straits when, you know, we'd already lost Ngakia and Zabaleta. Then Sodslaw Fredericks gets injured. 
like you say, Johnson's coming. I thought in the first half um, against, who would it have been, Watford, I thought he gave the ball away a few times. So he wasn't great in position, but he was great in, in his defensive responsibilities. But yesterday, he'd sorted out the possession as well. Playing with a huge amount of confidence for a lad who's only got about three appearances under his belt. And even when he gave the ball away against Watford, I'm putting it down to nerves. Yeah. Haven't been the first he pitcher for quite some time. So, and again, he just he played really well. And he thought, you know what, I'll, I'll put that to the back of my mind. I'll, I'll play well. And for me, I, I feel like he's a better defender than uh, Gekia. And also a better threat going forward. We saw against United, a few crosses whipping into the box. First time balls, good delivery. And... I mean, sky's the limit for Johnson. I'm, I'm of the opinion that if he keeps playing well, that right-back position will be his moving forward. Yeah, I think there's always, you know, every every coach and most fans have always seen question marks over Fredericks. You know, when he does good things, he looks sensational and his pace is unmatched. But I think that right-back has been a problem position for West Ham for almost as long as I can remember. But if we can produce one like Johnson, who's able to to be a first-team regular, then apart from anything else, we're going to save ourselves a lot of money in the transfer window because I would have thought that was one of the main positions we would be going out to try and fill. But if we start the season with Johnson and Fredericks as our two right-back choices, that's not so bad. We can look at strengthening other positions. Speaking of which, what I want to do today, Roshane, is go through uh, the squad because obviously we know it needs a rebuild. Chiefly because, you know, it, it's at the moment, it's a bit of a jumble of signings from various different managers we've had, directors of football, members of the Sullivan family. They've all had a go at building a squad. And as a result, there's not really much of a shape to it. Um, but there are some great players in there that need to be retained. Uh, let's look at the ones that we need to shift out. Because what I'm reading, Shane, and you might shed some light on this, is that the board, due to the financial pressure of the pandemic um, and the money that we spent in January, uh, the board are not planning on giving Moyes any money to spend. So effectively, he has to raise his own money. Is that what you've heard? Yeah, that is true. That we'll have to sell before we can sort of invest. And as you mentioned, largely down to COVID-19. And there's two ways looking at it. It gives us a chance to get rid of fringe players who haven't particularly done great for West Ham. And it also gives players who are turning from loan a chance, like the likes of Josh Cullen, Greg Diagana, a chance to impress and also like Martin Sears claim to be in the first team. And just thinking of players who perhaps uh, could be sold. I'm thinking of like the likes of Anderson, Lanzini, Alfred Masuaku. I don't feel like they're contributing much at all. I think most people are looking at Felipe Anson as being the big sale. Now, I can't remember how much he cost from Lazio. I think it was about 25 million. I think it was 35. 35. Okay, so it's a lot of money. Now, the problem is, is that I don't think any West Ham fan will be sorry to see him go because he's never quite delivered. I think that at another club, he could be a success because we've seen him. He had flashes in his first season of what he could do. And I think maybe in a different team, maybe in a different country, he might adapt better. But, uh, you know, the question is, are we going to get anywhere near 35 million back for him? I mean, I'll, be, I'll do cartwheels if we can get 35 million, <laughs> get 35 million, put it that way. But as you mentioned, like, only one goal all season, four assists, just hasn't been good enough. And I'll never forget, the, the win against uh, Chelsea in November, Pellegrini took Anderson off and he was like, 
he looked upset to be coming off and you're thinking like you didn't even contribute much in, nah. in this game like, why are you not to be coming off and to yeah. me he looks like a player who's not happy I mean yeah. we've I've slated him a bit on this podcast <laughs> we but, all have <laughs> but but ultimately you know on a human level you think I think he's a talented player I think you know Lazio fans spoke highly of him it didn't seem overpriced when we got him for 35 million he showed flashes like there was a, I think he got 10 goals last season and he had a real burst around autumn and winter of scoring a number of goals. And, and, and at that point, we thought we had a real gem. It hasn't worked out this season. To me, when I look at him, I think he doesn't look happy. He always looks gutted. I'm thinking, you know, this is a, a bloke from Brazil. He's come, he's been living in Rome, one of the world's most beautiful and sunny cities, right? And now he's ended up in East London, in this echoey old stadium. And perhaps he's just not happy. Perhaps it's a, a too much of a, you know, in his, in his lifestyle or who knows. But he looks to me like a player who's not happy and that's affected his performances. And that's why it's probably best for everyone if he leaves. But Sam, I, I can say, if you're a player like Anderson, right, and you're getting dropped, surely like your immediate thought should be, all right, I'm going to prove the manager wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him what I'm all about. I mean, I know perhaps not the best comparison, but someone like a Tammy Abraham at Chelsea, been dropped in, in favour of Giroud. Giroud scored. Tammy Heyman was like, all right, I'll show you. And he's gone on to score as well. So that should sort of be like Edison's approach. But we haven't seen that at all this season. You can look at a player's, you know, best bits on YouTube or you can send a scout to go and watch him play. But I suppose it's harder to know about what a player's character is until you signed him. And that's always the gamble. And this guy has got all the talent that you, that you would need to you know, perform in the Premier League because we've seen him do it in flashes. But obviously the mentality, the character isn't quite there for him to react in the way you're describing um, to to pressure. And, you know, he just wants out and who knows where, where he'll end up. But I mean, even if we don't get a big transfer fee, I imagine his wages are very, very big. And so that alone will be worth shifting him out of the club. And, and ditto, the other players we're told are on very big wages are Lanzini and here's an interesting one that might divide opinion a little bit is Yarmolenko what, what, what's your view on him do you think he should be given another chance or not I think he should give another chance for the simple fact that it just hasn't clicked and you know there's a player there like you know there's a player there Yarmolenko you just I think we should give him one more season to see how he gets on obviously as you mentioned he's one of the high earners uh, in the West Ham squad so the board may look at it and be like you know what let's cut our losses let's just sell him and try like with reinvesting the team but I feel like he should get one more chance obviously he scored a winning goal against Chelsea and <laughs> he done that that celebration that sort of like we'll sort of talk about now sort of celebrate <laughs> so but yeah I feel like he should get one more chance still a threat just been unlucky with injuries I think Yarmolenko has looked during this post-lockdown period as a great substitute Bowen runs himself into the ground in every game and it seems that he gets a little bit knackered around about 75 minutes because of the amount of work he puts in and then they think Yarmolenko's a great player to have just sat there ready for the counter-attack which is what he proved against Chelsea with that winning goal so but I can't see him displacing um, Bowen in the team in that position therefore if we keep him we're going to keep him as a sub and he's a very decent sub to have. But like you say, the board might look at it and think, hang on, he's the second best player in the club. We can't afford to have him, uh, you know, a substitute on that kind of money. I think it's one of those situations where if an offer comes in, we'll flog him. But if he stays, fair enough. Yeah, if he stays fair enough. And as you mentioned, you know, one of the high earners, the board will be looking at it thinking, if, if 
Yamanenko's earning perhaps what 90 grand 100 grand a week why on earth are we going to have him as a sub when we could just reinvest that into the other player the team now Lanzini has been with us I think it's five years now so undoubtedly I think that constitutes a, a very good sign and we got him for next to nothing from a Middle Eastern club uh, he surprised everyone because none of us had heard of him and he's won some games with tremendous goals in the past but He's been plagued by injuries. He's not been the same player since he came back from his last big injury. And he's never quite achieved the level of consistency uh, and a, 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 or the ability to dominate a game that we would have liked. But for me, we should we should shift him this summer, move him on. I definitely agree. I feel like Lanzini hasn't recovered from suffering that knee injury in 2018 while at international duty with Argentina just hasn't been the same player since the last time Lanzini scored for West in fact I'm going to ask you when do you reckon was the last time Lanzini scored I know for when West? it was mate because you've asked me this yeah. before <laughs> and it was the last game of last season against Watford I believe correct mm. 14 so, months ago yeah not good enough 14 months ago not at uh, all so. so yeah we should definitely tell him and yeah I think it's time too. for him to go as well and these are the players that they kind of characterise a, 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 a past era now. Pellegrini, even Bilic, where there was a lot of kind of very technically gifted players brought in from abroad on big money um, in a bid to try and break into that top six. And, and, you know, I think Moyes speaks for most West Ham fans when he says, that's a strategy that hasn't worked. What we need to do is sign players who, who are still on the way up Perhaps great players from the championship, as Jared Bowen has proven. And these, these, you know, your Yarmolenko's, Andersons, and Lanzini's, they just don't represent that sort of strategy. Especially as, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, the positions that they fill, which are wide positions, attacking players, we've got Grady Diangana at West Bromwich Albion. Now, he scored and got a fantastic assist in, in West Brom's final game of the season against QPR last night, which is seen and get promoted. And it's wonderful because if you think we're a club that are scouring the championship for the very best players, well, if he didn't already belong to us anyway, you'd be looking at Dean Garner and putting him somewhere near the top of your list, wouldn't you? What do you know about the status of him with West Ham? Are we intending to keep him? Are West Brom pushing hard to to, to buy him from us permanently? What's going to happen? Well, prior to the match against Man United, Moises asked about Grady Agana's future and he said he wants to clean him in the first team next season. He really mm. rates him and wow. that's, that's great to hear for West Ham yeah. fans because, as you mentioned, he was absolutely uh, brilliant for West Brom, played a big part of their promotion to the Premier League and one thing that you think about this season that like West Ham have lacked like prior to Moyes' appointment was pace we didn't have much pace in this team now if you think about Bowen on the right flank Grady on the left flank Antonio up front that is just that's pace right there that's a quick team isn't it yeah very quick team and then you've got the legs of Suchek in midfield um, it's really exciting really really exciting um, I'm right Ming and Suchek has now signed permanently is that correct yeah it hasn't been officially been announced by the club but yeah West Ham are safe so he's definitely staying at the club now Okay, um, Mark Noble, the, you know, just a few weeks ago, I was saying to you, well, I think, you know, I love Mark Noble, but I think we're better off with him out of the team, sitting on the bench. Then he came back into the side and yet again for about the 20th time in his career has proved me and all the other haters wrong um, because I thought he was one of our best players. I thought he dominated Manchester United's midfield last night, particularly in the second half. And, you know, he's up against Fernandes, Matic, Paul Pogba, 
who I think remains the most expensive midfield player in the world, right? And I thought Mark Noble taught them all a lesson last night. Absolutely extraordinary, isn't it? Who needs Eden Hazard when you have Noble playing yeah. as number 10 for West Ham? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, it was really good last night. Proved everyone wrong who has doubted him before. But I do feel like moving forward, he'll be like an impact player from the bench. Because for me, I feel like Suchek and Rice in midfield, number 10 will probably be someone else. Maybe four nows when Grady comes back. So I don't feel like Mobile will start week in, week out. But a few weeks ago, we had Bobby Zamora on the podcast. And it's interesting what he said. Obviously, when Noble does eventually tie up, he feels like he should become like a director of football, t- technical director. That should be a sort of transition like after his playing day. So, yeah, we have to appreciate Noble while he's here, but yeah, his days are coming to an end soon. I think the board needs to be thinking of everything they can to try and endear themselves again to the fans, which is a big uphill struggle. But to offer Mark Noble a significant role in the club beyond retiring from playing it would be a very big step towards making them feel as if, you know, these were owners who who understood the club and understood the fans, especially when you think in the past, so many of our legendary players, not least Bobby Moore, were let down by the club, really. You know, Bobby Moore was never really offered a significant role. Um, I believe he once applied for the job of manager when it became available and didn't even receive a response and really only got all the tributes and the stand name after him and all the other stuff after he'd passed away. Let's not let that happen with uh, another legend like Mark Noble. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. Hey, here's another player that might divide opinion still, especially when you consider the amount of great attacking options we could have next season. Pablo Fornells, what do you think about him? How do you assess his first season at the club? First season's been been up and down, I'd say. He had, uh, I think, around December, November time, he was on fire. I mean, scoring goal, providing assists. But I've noticed, like, a change in his sort of style of play after lockdown. He's become, like, like the, uh, the sort of engine in the team, always chasing lost causes, just running after things. He sort of sacrificed, you know, the goal-scoring aspect of his game. But for me, I, I think he should definitely still stay at West Ham. First season, decent progress. Been up and down, but decent progress nonetheless. And I feel like next season, perhaps we could see the best of four nows. So definitely a player we should keep. And yeah, a player who who's know what Premier League football is like now. So it can only be a benefit for next season. Sebastian Haller, probably the one that will divide opinion most of all. Biggest ever signing, 45 million quid. How many goals has he ended up with? Seven, is it? Yeah, Seven goals. Seven goals. I thought he looked a little bit off the pace again last night when he came on for Antonio, who was clearly exhausted. Uh, in fact, what Antonio has done is create a quite a damning contrast for Haller because the amount of running that Antonio puts in up front and the amount of different positions he appears in, because he pops up on both wings and comes deep. And, and you know, he's everywhere. He's like having two or three players in one. By comparison, when Haller comes on the pitch... He looks a little bit immobile, in my opinion. Question is, do we give him another chance? 
I can see the board giving him another chance for the simple fact we paid so much money to bring him to the club. 45 million, that's a lot of money. So, so perhaps looking at it thinking, let's give him one more year. Let's try and at least get some sort of like return on our investment. But as you mentioned, he struggled a lot this season. And West Ham quite often play one striker up top. And we've seen the benefit of, of playing Antonio in that position because he's got pace. He can give defenders a half time. But Valera, he's limited. He doesn't have pace. He's good in the air and like a good aerial threat. But, you know, I saw someone tweet yesterday about when he came on, it, it felt like West Ham without the 10 men. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you can see, you can see that I to an extent. I can see that, yeah. You can see that to an extent. So I'm going to sort of be on the fence and say, give him one more year. But I mean, I can see why people would be like, let's cut our losses and get rid of him. For me, it's a similar situation to Yarmolenko in as much as I can, I think, yeah, give him another year. He's certainly shown signs that he, he could do well for us in the Premier League. He, he, obviously, I think he's better off played with a partner up front. So a lot comes down to how Moyes sees the shape of the team looking next season. However, I don't, yeah, I don't mean he's been so bad that we should just write him off. However, if someone comes in, with a forty-five million pound bid, which admittedly is unlikely, but if they come in with a with a bid close to what we paid for him, uh, bearing in mind that we don't have any money uh, otherwise to spend on new players, I think that the board will be sorely tempted again because his wages are, are probably huge too. So I think it's sort of don't write him off completely, but if someone's willing to take him off our hands and let's go for it, mind you, Rashane, I'm hearing rumours that. We might be interested in reuniting him with Jovic, uh, who was his strike partner, of course, last season at um, Eintracht Frankfurt and who is available for loan from Real Madrid. Do you think there's any truth in that? I think that's just paper talk for the time being. <laughs> I mean, the past year or so covering West Ham, I mean, the team's been linked to everyone from like Dimitri Pyatt returning to all sorts and then end up signing, not to respect him, but end up signing someone like Darren Randolph. So it just goes to show that there's so much people talk. So yeah, I'll put it down to so that. So this is just people putting two and two together yeah. in as much as they, they formed a, a formidable strike partnership before. Jovic does appear to be available because he hasn't pulled up any trees at Madrid in his first season, but he, he's not necessarily going to come to West Ham. Other than that, uh, what what are the areas that you think we need to strengthen? If there isn't much money, but we raise some through selling some of the players we've discussed, then where should it be spent? I believe the priority should be left back. Yes. 100% left back. As you agreed, Arthur Masaraka will probably be one of the players who will leave this summer. So that leaves Cresswell. Ben Johnson can also play left back, but we've seen him playing well as a right back. So that should pretty much should be his position moving forward. But that's an area I definitely feel like we should invest. Cresswell's been a great player for West Ham, great servant for the club, but he's just not the same player that used to play for England. Put it that way. So yeah, that's, that's I would that's love that's. to see Cresswell stay at the club. I think that if we sign a new, younger, pacier left back, to, to challenge him for the first team, that would be great. And I'd be happy with Cresswell as our reserve because I think a lot of people hate on Cresswell quite a lot. I think that's unfair. I think you're right. He's not as good as he once was. But I also get the strong impression that he is part of a sort of, um, you know, a, a core of that squad. Um, he, he seems very close with Mark Noble and they seem to have an influence. He's an older player now. And I think we're going to need that because if we do build a younger squad, you always need a couple of older heads in there, even if they're not in the first team, to sort of lend the experience. So I'd like to see Cresswell stay, but I'd like someone to come in and seriously challenge him for that position. 
and probably replace him. Uh, who that is, I don't know. I mean, you know, that we've been linked with fullbacks from Wigan. I think both fullbacks from Wigan. And, of course, the fella from Forest who we attempted to get in January and failed. Forest have now missed out on a playoff position. So, presumably, he's back on our radar again. I presume you mean Matty Cash, right? That's him. Yeah, Matty Cash, yeah. It was linked to a move with Matty Cash in January. It didn't materialise. So, perhaps the team could go back in again for him in, in, uh, in the summer. And it all, it all comes down to what you mentioned earlier. Moyes wanted to identify up-and-coming players in the Championship who have resale value, who want to do well for West Ham and going away from that model, bringing in foreign players who are here for one last payday. And who, not, I wouldn't say don't care about the club, but they, 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 not, they don't have that desire to like want to progress, if you know what I mean. That's the thing. I think you always, if you're a club like West Ham, you're a club stuck in the middle, right, as far as top-flight clubs go, right? Or at least we hope to be. Sometimes we're not in the middle. Sometimes we're down the bottom. But what you need... Um, is players who feel as if they're on their way up when they come through West Ham, not as if they're stagnating or it's a bit of a step down. We very rarely sign players from clubs bigger than ourselves who've come and been sensational, right? Because a player doesn't feel as motivated when he feels as if he's had to take a step down. I even look at Felipe Anderson, right? He was doing brilliantly at Lazio. Um, then Then he got injured for a while. When he came back, he came to West Ham because he thought his agent probably told him, get yourself in the Premier League, put yourself in the shop window, and then perhaps one of the Champions League clubs will come in for you. But I think that Felipe Anderson probably had dreams that he would end up playing at Manchester United or at Arsenal or at Liverpool or something like that. And so it was hard for him to stay motivated at, uh, at West Ham when the going got tough. Um, but you look at a Matty Cash, just like you look at a Jared Bowen or a Suchek, and they all look like they've made, they feel like they've made step a big step up by arriving at West Ham. They're impressed by being at West Ham. They're impressed by playing at a club with that kind of stadium and that kind of fan base and that kind of history. They're not thinking, ah, I should be somewhere better than this. 100%. And like, win, lose, or draw, you, you can see that like, it means a lot to them to play for West Ham. I, I don't sort of get that impression from Anderson this season. Like, if, if West Ham win or lose or draw, if he's really like, if it really hurts him personally. But I definitely get that impression from Suchek and, and, and Bowen. And as you mentioned, they've, they've been great since arriving in January. I mean, that's the sort of, sort of pers- personnel we need moving forward. Yesterday, when, um, when Liverpool were crowned champions and, uh, Graham Sooners and John Bars were doing like punditry, Graham Tuna said it's important to have the right personnel in the dressing room. And I definitely agree with that. And you don't want like bad eggs. Like I'm not saying he's a bad egg, but you don't want like players that will disrupt the dressing room because they're not playing or they're not happy with the way things are going. So I thought it was great when we spoke to Marlon Harewood um, last month about that team that got promoted then got to the cup final. And the way he spoke about them being, you know, this sort of band of brothers. This They're a bunch of young, mainly British lads, who all kind of had a camaraderie. They were mates on and off the field. And, they, you know, he described the confidence with which they went into every game, feeling as if they were going to win no matter who the opposition were, right? And and that's what you need to achieve with a squad. I mean, it's hard, easier said than done. But at the moment, I think this, this squad is such a mismatch. Like I said, they're all sign-ins from different eras at the club, different managers, different directors of football. So hopefully we can just start building something around these young players who've either come from the championship or from our youth team. Uh, just before we, we wrap this section up, um, we've talked about this a lot before, but it's going to probably be the biggest theme of our summer, which is the future of Declan Rice. Now, 
I read a quote from David Moyes saying he's not going anywhere unless we're made an offer we cannot refuse. Do you believe that? And also, what is an offer we cannot refuse? Yeah. Well, he said that and it will take the Bank of England money for him to leave. And I, I actually asked him that question in the press conference and he gave that response, that great response, by the way. In my opinion, and I've always like had this belief, I, I, I believe that Rice is a 100 million player. I believe he's a 100 million pound player. Like, he's, he's that good. He's 21 and it's so scary to think how good he'll be when he's like 26, 27. Like, that's a scary thing. And he's the be... new Brian Robson. He's the yeah. new Brian Robson. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's going to be England captain. I, I fully believe that too. I don't know whether or not, you know, everyone else can see that. I think maybe just West Ham fans who've watched him week in, week out can recognise that in him. The question is, would Chelsea or anyone else be willing at the moment to spend 100 million on him? Yeah. Well, they're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to. And Rice is such an important player. And what really like annoys me is when people say, oh, Rice is overrated. Rice isn't good enough. And it's like fans from teams who only watch him twi- like twice a season when the team plays West Ham home and away or when he plays for England. It's the only time they ever watch him. But Rice has excelled on the defensive end this season. He's just been so good. And it shows a lot of that. He ran to um, to Moyes when he scored against Watford to like give him that hug. That, that tells me a lot of that. He loves. He enjoys playing for West Ham. He enjoys working on the David Moyes. The togetherness in his team, as you mentioned, what Marlon Head was spoke about with the togetherness in Max team. You can see, you can see the signs, but it's there. And moving forward, it'll be great if West Ham could build a team around Rice because, as I mentioned in my piece this morning, over the past twenty years, West Ham have been able to send their best young players, the likes of Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Joel Cole, Glenn Johnson, Jermaine Defoe, Michael Carrick. That's what six, seven players are named. And it would be a great shame if the same were to follow suit with Declan Rice. Yeah, I feel much more confident than I did a month ago even about him staying. I think he's going to be probably our captain next season if Noble is uh, more commonly on the bench as we expect. And, I, you know, I'm so excited. I think that, you know, Declan Rice could be leading the team out into a really exciting future next year. So who would have thought it just a few weeks ago when we when we regathered after lockdown that we'd be sitting here and feeling so confident. Uh, just lastly, just, just lastly, uh, because, you know, we all love transfer gossip, Rashane. Um, whilst watching the highlights of West Brom versus QPR last night and marvelling at how fantastic Brady Dian Garner was, um, I also noticed uh, the lad who plays number 10 for QPR I don't know how you, pre- how you pronounce it. Is it Eze? I haven't got um, he, 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 he scored a marvellous goal. Now, I've got a brother who's a season ticket holder at QPR who is going around saying that the, he's the best player that QPR have produced since Raheem Sterling because QPR claimed credit for Raheem Sterling, by the way, even though I don't think he ever played in their first team. Right? He does look mustard. We have been linked with him a lot. Again, is that paper talk or do you think that's a serious uh, interest there? That is serious interest. So we have positive news for West Ham fans. Serious interest. And David Orstein mentioned as Colin that Azizé has been linked with uh, Crystal Palace and, and West Ham. So they're the two front runners to try and sign him this summer. And he'll be a great addition for this team. As you mentioned, another player who's up and coming, a player who will have resale value, a player who could perhaps come in a future England international. So, yeah, great player with tremendous potential and it'd be great if you could get him. He looks absolutely brilliant. I mean, you put him together with Bowen and Dean Garner and I just think it would be such an exciting prospect to start the season with those lads up front. Right, well, that's our wrap-up. Get in touch with us uh, at, at Rashane Sport. 
uh, or at Delaney Man to uh, discuss what your hopes are for the summer transfer market. Okay, time to welcome a special guest to the show now. And uh, it's the man behind a campaign you might have heard of. It's been making headlines over the last month or so. Um, it's the Jack Leslie campaign and its co-founder, Matt Tiller, joins us on the line to tell us more now. Hello, Matt. Hi, Sam. You are right? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for joining us. So uh, give us an overview then. Who is Jack Leslie and what's the campaign about? Uh, well, the campaign's all about um, creating a statue and memorial of Jack Leslie and telling his story. And the story is he should have been the first black player to play for England because um, he came from uh, Barking. Um, well, he's born in Canning Town, so he's an East London lad but um, and played for Barking, but then got signed up by Plymouth Argyle, amazingly, and, and was an a- absolute legend there. He played for 13 years, 137 goals. He actually became club captain in the last couple of years and probably the first black captain of a professional side. So an absolute Plymouth Argyle legend. Um, uh, And in 1925, he was named in the England team. He was selected. And then mysteriously, uh, then mysteriously, he, his name disappeared from the squad sheet and he never got to play. And, um, and that story sort of gone, you know, has kind of been untold until sort of recent years, really. And, um, uh, we we want to sort of celebrate Jack, but also remember that injustice. And when late, you know, and in his later years, he he returned to East London, and he actually was a boilermaker. And then when he retired, Ron Greenwood called him into West Ham and said, "Look, you know, do you fancy a job?" And um, he worked in the boot room for about fifteen years. So he was having been a professional footballer, should have played for England, was kind of shining the leathers of uh, yeah. Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, Sir Trevor Brookings, Clyde Best, uh, Boots, and, um, and and by all accounts was such a humble guy that he didn't even tell them that he was an ex-pro, which is like staggering and heartbreaking. Um, we heard that from Clyde Best and also uh, Sir, Sir Trevor Brookings, which is it's just it's just mad to think that. But um, he was clearly like a lovely man. Yeah, and obviously, you know, a big part of the West Ham family. What's the plan then? What can everyone do to get behind this campaign? And where, where's the statue? Where, where do you want the statue to go? Well, well, we need the statue to be, uh, the, the main statue to be outside um, Home Park, of course, uh, Plymouth Argyle, because, you know, that's where he played uh, in his professional uh, career. And um, uh, I'm afraid we're not all West Ham fans, although many of the people involved in the campaign, there's, there's some who uh, moved from London down to Plymouth. And No, not, forget it. We don't, no, we're not, no, we're not, we're not, not interested. interested. Oh, no, no. <laughs> we're, not, we're not behind this campaign anymore. No, <laughs> no we, we would love um, there to be a uh, memorial at West Ham too. So um, the more money we can get, the better um, uh, to to facilitate that. Um, we um, we have a crowdfunder. Um, uh, the easiest way is the the, the website is jacklesley.co.uk. Um, I'll give you the crowdfunder link if you can put it online as well. That'd be great. Um, we're we're nearly at 80 grand and we need at least 100. So um, we're well on our way, but um, um, you know, and any support is welcome. And we have actually had a, a lot of donations from West Ham fans and put, put in comments on sort of saying how they remembered him from his time at West Ham, which is which is really you know heartening to see. It's great to see people outside of you know the Plymouth Argyle fan base sort of embracing him and and barking as well. The the club um, uh, where he played sort of a, as a, as an amateur as a very young man, they've also got behind it, and we're hoping for a little memorial there too. So that'd be a really nice kind of telling of the whole story from his sort of time starting in East London uh, uh, for Barking Town, now Barking FC, and and then 
you know, his professional career, career at Plymouth, the England story, which is very, very sad, but it needs to be told. And um, and his career celebrated. And also that time at West Ham, you know, it was, it's kind of, um, it, it, it does feel sort of slightly sad to think that, that he was there kind of working in the boot room. And there are a few comments like that, that. But at the same time, he really loved that job by all accounts. His granddaughters, he, he actually got one of his granddaughters a job in the ticket office. And, and, and he absolutely loved being, you know, around football and working at West Ham. And when he retired at the age of 80, he was on ITV's The Big Match. Um, his retirement was kind of celebrated. It was really, you know, kind of poignant. I actually wanted to do a piece on this in uh, October for Black History Month. And I tried and tried and tried to try and track down someone from Jack's family, but I just couldn't, I couldn't find anyone. And I was also doing that while also working on the John Charles story, who was well, the first black player to play for England at any level. But it's, yeah, it's, as you mentioned, it's great that this is once again surfaced because as you mentioned, it's such a shame that Jack wasn't recognised. Well, he, he could have been the first black player to play for England, uh, as you mentioned, 1925. I just think about how much of a difference that would have made in terms of being like, well, he's a pioneer black figure for black players anyway, but how much of a difference it would have made if he was recognised that way. So two-part question for me, um, have West Ham been in touch? And again, what's the reaction been like from people on Twitter and uh, other platforms? Well, I have to say the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, if you go on social media, um, sometimes these kind of things can um, uh, uh, be slightly stressful. And there, of course, there has been a bit of that, but I just try and ignore it um, because... Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's nothing compared to what some um, some players and you know very recently have uh, have suffered. It just goes goes to show that that the the issue has not gone away, and 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 that's partly why we launched when we did because you know events sort of shone a light on us, and we um, we got the coverage that we that we did, and um, we have been in touch uh, with West Ham very recently, and they've responded very positively. We we would love. Um, obviously, we've got some great ex-players like Clyde Best, who he had an amazing Zoom call with um, with Jack's granddaughters just the other day. And he was, you know, telling how how great Jack was, what a wonderful guy he was. It was just great. But we'd love like current players to to get on board as well and um, hopefully make a, a, a memorial at West Ham happen as well as the the, the statue at Home Park. Um, and, and his family, actually, we one of the his family members who've been helping us is based in the West Country, but his great, great nephew, uh, George um, uh, is also a West Ham fan, so um, I should put you in touch. Well, listen, uh, we really in, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us more about that, Matt. It's a fantastic campaign um, for everyone involved in football um, to pay attention to and get behind, um, particularly the West Ham family, because this is a, a huge part of our story too, uh, a relatively untold part of our story. And so let's get all behind it you know if it's good enough for Trevor Brooking it's good enough for all of us if you want to follow the campaign on Twitter you can do at Jack Leslie Camp and that's Leslie L-E-S-L-I-E good luck with everything let us know what else we can do Matt and all the best mate thank you very much for having me no it's great to tell the story I love it right well that's it for this week we'll be out next week with a more comprehensive review of the season and we'll continue to keep you updated throughout the summer with regular insights from our resident ITK, Rashane Thomas. Goodbye, Rashane. Bye, Sam. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one Samasia Boo. Samasia Boo.